Welcome back to Autopsy of a Horror Movie. My name is Brucker, and today we are getting spooky with music. I am joined by Cleveland to discuss some spooky scores today on the show. Hello, Cleveland. Thank you so much for coming by. How are you? Thank you for having me on. This is going to be so much fun. I'm so excited to talk about music and horror movies. Like, I love music, love horror movies. This is the perfect balance. I'm so excited. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so happy to have you on here to discuss this. And would you mind... I know, you, I know before we hopped on the mic, you said you kind of want to talk this at the end, but would you mind just at least like kind of telling the folks a little bit about some of like the horror projects that you're a part of and if there's anything musical too you want to mention since we're talking about music today? So I am part of a Night Shift Video, Night Shift uh, Video Podcast. Um, we're on everything. You can listen to us. Uh, we do like um, uh, random... Uh, not uh, it's not random it's just yeah just spooky and nostalgic and like uh, it's a variety show of different content all in a, one podcast and it's like a balance of fiction and non-fiction but we we have a lot of fun doing that um so definitely check that out if you're into that into like the spooky and nostalgic vibes um and then as far as like music man i uh was pretty much a band nerd like all through middle school and high school so um uh this was really fun uh uh getting into some of the scores here and like getting back to my roots and like watching these orchestras just go at it and just kill it absolutely um i played percussion which is a long story how i even got there but uh just played percussion and then even now like outside of high school um still dabble into music and play guitar bass drums all that stuff that's awesome. Yeah. In, in the podcast, you mentioned that you're a part of Night Shift. Uh, that is such a like an immersive experience. It's such a really cool show. I really do recommend people to check that out. <laughs> I'll put uh, links in the show notes so that way people can. And I've, I've been on there before to do an interview. That was a ton of fun. So yeah, people, be sure to go check that out. It's such a cool, immersive, like horror-rich experience. I think it's a lot of fun. It's also very funny too. And you, you do like the voices <laughs> yeah. that you do are so good. Uh, it cracks me up every time. And like the jokes that you write for them too, they're, it, it's very good. It's a very well put together show. I, I encourage people to go check it out. Yeah, and it's a lot of fun because uh, with humor, like a lot of times, you know, when when people gather their humor, it's usually visual stuff. But podcasts, it's a whole different game. You got to like kind of, you know, come at it a different angle um, and be funny in a way different way. So it's a little bit of a challenge, but it's it's, it's so much fun and so enjoyable. And I'm glad I, I am glad that a lot of people are enjoying it so far. It's it's great. Oh, yeah, for sure. So I will put links in the show notes for that podcast. And you mentioned music. I am not musically inclined in any way. I enjoy music, but I (laughs) cannot necessarily speak to it in terms of like technical terms or anything like that. So that's why I thought that you would be like a perfect guest on today because I know that you really dig music. And I thought that this would be a very fun uh, marriage, so to speak, to have us on on to discuss us two very specific and what I think are iconic horror scores today yes absolutely oh i guess i should shout out i do have a little music project if anyone wants to check out goofy boy wallace that's <laughs> all me like all the instruments and everything i well i've helped with a few friends just writing a few parts here and there but it's it's a lot of fun um yeah so check that out if you're interested in more of my music it's not horror or anything like that but it is a lot of fun 
Awesome. Uh, when was the last time you picked up an instrument? Like, have you ever been able? <laughs> Just oh, curious. No, Just curious. I've never. I mean, I was forced to play the recorder like every fourth grader. Oh well. And <laughs> oh no, talk about horror sounds. <laughs> the my girlfriend, or I'm sorry. Wow, I haven't said that in fucking forever. My fiance, Jesus. Yes, fiance. Congratulations, by the way. I know that the wedding's coming up soon, right? Yeah, it's coming up in September. So we're like oh, September, right? five months away ish, something like that. I can't do oh, math. On the top of my head right now um but yeah it's in september and she she was in a band with her dad for years and i was there basically their roadie and her dad plays the drums so i got okay. really good at assembling and disassembling his drum set so i could do that but i can't play anything <laughs> no that's so awesome i mean being around being around music and stage and like a performance is is uh, enjoyment in itself so that's awesome you get to experience that yeah, for sure. And before we get into today's official topic and everything, I want to go ahead and shout out Horror Press. Horror Press is a very awesome site, and there's a little watering hole for horror fans and aficionados that want to read horror reviews or really interesting, in-depth editorials. It is made by horror fans for horror fans. They pour their bleeding hearts and souls dark souls into this website so be sure to check out horror press those people are awesome and i plan on getting stuff up there of my own at some point and if you want to check out horrorpress.com go over to the show notes where there will be a link now officially for today's topic we are talking about horror scores or spooky scores horror scores and this is kind of like a pilot study of like a special topics that i thought that this would be fun to do because i think that Music definitely adds so much to an experience when you're watching a movie. And uh, absolutely. I'm so <laughs> absolutely. glad that you agree with me on that. And so <laughs> you and I went back and forth for weeks about, well, how should we start this experiment? How should we start off this special topics kind of uh, series, so to speak, with this? And we, went, we talked about a lot of heavy hitters, but we didn't want to just mm -hmm. knock them off, you know, super early and everything. So we are discussing Jaws today. The, the theme for Jaws, which is a heavy hitter on its own. And then we kind of landed on another one that I think a lot of people definitely agree is a fantastic and terrifying horror soundtrack, horror score, and that is the music from Insidious. So we will be discussing these two movies in terms of their score and soundtrack and how the music is used effectively to enhance the horror and just how you experience it, how you kind of interpret it and everything. So this is going to be kind of like a fun nerding out episode about these two things. Um, and before we get into that Cleveland, I was kind of going to ask you, do you have any sort of preferences for spooky music or horror music in your horror movies? Um, I wouldn't say preferences exactly, but like whatever is effective is my preference. Like if <laughs> if a score just hits when when that part of the movie happens and the music is just perfect with it, like it's just it's it's amazing. It's just like it, it's perfect. Mm -hmm, it absolutely is. And horror is kind of a unique uh, realm to be in with music because, as I said, I I love it when it's used to heighten and enhance certain elements and i think that I'll, an example that a lot of people think of is that it's like loud music is kind of paired with jump scares sometimes and that does it is effective and it does work a lot but i also love it when it's used to kind of just like build 
like an atmosphere or fill a room with tension or something like that. And I th- we got some good examples of that here today. So that's kind of like my preference. I love something that's like really moody and dark and not yeah, necessarily or, like in your face. Or when they use really, for me, when they use really odd instruments, things that you wouldn't normally hear in an orchestra or just in any, like in pop music in general. And you're like, mm. and you're listening to it while you're watching the movie, like, what is that noise? Like, you just call it noise of the voice. Like, and then, <laughs> like, for me, I'm like researching, trying to figure out what, what it was. Um, so, like, anytime they use something that, a, a sound that I'm not used to at all, it always pops up, it pops in my ear a lot better or more. Yeah. I, that's such a good point because I do love it when you can't really pinpoint what it is that they're striking or rubbing something up against. Like in yeah, like in Terminator Two, they use a lot of, I think they use like a lot of like metal, like metallic things, like hitting with each other just to kind of mimic the yes, ro- the robotic yes. skeletons of the the characters in it. So I I love it when the music thematically matches the the things that we're seeing on screen and like that. So it's. It's, it's just so much fun. And it's, it's, it's hard for me to articulate because, again, I'm not musically inclined. And I have a hard time getting technical about it. But when, it, when, you, you know, when you hear it and it just really just strikes you to your core, it's hard to just just ignore it. You know, I, I, I listen to, like, spooky soundtracks all the time on, my, on Spotify. It's, it's weird. It's, it's a weird obsession I have, but it's, it's yeah, so much it, fun. <laughs> and it's almost, it's almost scarier when you don't know what the instrument is. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, and you hear, you just, yeah, you just freak out. Like, what is, what are the, yeah, once again, like, what are these noises? What, what is coming from my TV or <laughs> my headphones or whatever? Okay, so we're going to start off with Jaws, and I'm pretty sure if you aren't familiar, that means you live under a rock. I mean, <laughs> go see this movie, go listen to the soundtrack on Spotify, it's phenomenal. This music was composed by John Williams, ever heard of him? Uh, he's, of course, there's a titan in the film industry, and, you know, making, he's made so many iconic scores. And Yeah, you're going to know him after this episode, absolutely, <laughs> after us talking about Jaws, because he did so many things. Oh, he did. And I just love his story, too. And that's kind of where I wanted to start this conversation with John Williams and talking about Jaws and just kind of how he went on this just, you know, this fire streak with Spielberg and George Lucas by making the score for Jaws, Indiana Jones, Star Wars, Mm -hmm. Jurassic Park. I mean, E.T. Home Alone. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh, and Goonies, too. Don't forget Goonies. I love Goonies. Yeah, there you go, man. So, and I love where his journey kind of starts with all this, with Spielberg and Jaws. And so, Jaws came out in 1975. Man, that's so early. Like, (laughs) for what what the movie is, that is, it's so good for the year that it came out. I mean, there's literally like a pre-Jaws and a post-Jaws era of cinema. I mean, Jaws changed everything i mean it invented the summer blockbuster it invented like the the teaser trailer a lot of like the tropes that we have in this and you know musically using your music to pretty much signal your character to be the character for something that we cannot see because the shark didn't work you know throughout the the filmmaking process they had to convey where the shark was or that it was present and they did that with the music and it was john williams's idea and this is genius so before i I start geeking out into into that um i kind of want to talk about 
where the starting point was for this. Because I think it's really important to highlight just, again, just the, the tour de force that John Williams went on. And it, this was kind of part of everything that we have from his music, from that fire streak I just mentioned, all came from a grieving person. His his wife of about 18 years or so passed, uh, tragically died at the age of like 43, 44 in oh, 1974. Wow. And Ooh. it was kind of like in the wake of his grieving and mourning when he was working on scores like Jaws and Star Wars. And he was introduced to Steven Spielberg by someone in the industry. I don't know the name offhand, but he was introduced to, to Steven Spielberg and pretty much saved the movie, in my opinion, because there was just so many things that went wrong with it. And he, in his grief and mourning of his wife, he came up with the theme of Jaws and the theme of Star Wars. And I think that is just so, I don't know, there's something poetic about him being in like this very dark state in turning out something beautiful with it. But I love that the first thing that we get is this kind of threatening and brutal score that we get in Jaws. So I kind of just wanted to at least preface this conversation about John Williams, about where he was in his life when he was making this, uh, I mean, this that's, score. That's when the best things are made, though, when you're in like the deepest pit ever and you're just creativity comes to life in that um, in that scenario. I mean, it's, it's rough to go through, but that, I mean, you hear it from a lot of different creative people um, just like, oh yeah, when I made that, I was kind of, you know, in, in the dumps, but you just made this beautiful movie or album or whatever it is. So, I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's like to go through, but it, it works. Yes, it does. And it's timeless. I mean, this, the, the Jaws theme, you know, just those two notes and dunna, 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 it's, mm -hmm. it's ubiquitous. It's everywhere. I feel like kids that haven't even seen the movie Jaws know that song from something else that they've seen it in yeah. you know it's in and when i think of the movie this, that's the first thing that i think of in my head is this music and it's it, it's just used so effectively i mean you could just be kids at a pool and someone just goes dun, dun, and then you already know <laughs> you already know what's about to go down it, yeah it's extremely iconic oh for sure and it's uh, it's used so well and there's this really good documentary you can find it on youtube but if you have the movie on dvd it should be part of the bonus features but just of the the making of jaws and spielberg does a really good job at retelling the story about how john williams first showed him this score and spielberg thought that williams was joking at first when he finally played the music for me on the piano he previewed the main jaws theme i expected to hear something kind of weird and melodic, you know, and really kind of tonal but eerie and of another world, almost a bit like outer space, inside, you know, inner space under, under the water. And, and what he played me instead with two fingers on the lower keys was dun, 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 dun. And at first I began to laugh. I thought he was, he had a great sense of humor. I thought he was putting me on. And, and he said, no, that's the theme that draws. And I said, play it again. He played it again. And he played it again, and it suddenly seemed right. And John found a signature for the entire movie. One could alter the speed of this ostinato. It could be note, 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 note.
any kind of alteration of speed to it. Very slow, very fast, very soft, very loud. Because this is a very primal movie. You need something primal and threatening. And he, it was as I said, it was his idea to use the the music to signal the shark instead of using it for like jump scares or for like like false scares that we get sometimes. But he wanted it to use it to to condition the audience to know when the shark was actually in the water and like when they needed to be scared and the the use of just the two notes going back and forth the dunna 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 he wanted that because you can manipulate the two notes with like the speed like the rhythm of like how fast they're going and you get the sense of something is speeding up and something is rushing and it's it's just so good uh at least comparing to the other movie they're talking about today insidious where i feel like it's so different from that because like insidious i think is more of kind of using the music to kind of, I think, signal a place or like an atmosphere, so to speak, not necessarily signal a character yeah, specifically. It, it is, yeah, it is more ambient and then uh, a lot heavier on the violins and the strings where Jaws is more orchestra from what watching the movies and listening to the soundtracks, both soundtracks, it, it they're two different types of um soundtracks absolutely scores i should say i love like the the orchestral part of it sometimes because like you kind of get like these random notes occasionally and i kind of always take it as when it's kind of slow and before it kind of like starts building it's kind of like this thing of like you don't have a sense of directionality you just know it's going somewhere you know and i kind of love like when Mm -hmm. we do get those little flares of like the I believe it was like the bassoon or something that plays like in the background. Yeah, or something. It, yeah, it is a bassoon. Um, they all uh, it's bassoon and then contrabassoon, and then it's doing a onchelorando, um, which is like speeding up or a crescendo, pretty much. And then as as well with the uh, stand up bass doing it as well. I did a lot of um uh research on these. Oh, dude, on that's the, so awesome. Um, yeah, just like. You, my YouTube algorithm is completely messed up because it thinks <laughs> I just want to watch my my algorithm just thinks that I want to watch orchestras all the time and I mean I'm not mad about it but it's definitely <laughs> different than what I'm used to watching. <laughs> oh, I bet for sure. And so thank you so much for explaining some of those details because I feel like when those things come in that is outside of those two notes, it's because as I said, I feel like it's kind of like giving you the sense of directionality because it's kind of like a mystery of where is it and when i hear those things in the background i feel like it's kind of like toying with you kind of like it, it could be over here it could be over mm-hmm. here and then when you get those two notes harder like like dun dun and it's like no i'm actually here like at your front door or whatever yeah. <laughs> it's it's so good i feel like it like this the music like it's like kind of like fucking with you um it's, it's so good I, I did want to get into some examples from the movie that I feel like that it, you know, where it really gets to shine and how you get to see how effective it is. So I feel like that the first instance of when we kind of get like the these two notes are like super, where it's like working well and how it is signaling the shark character is the the Kittner kid scene where he, we, it's kind of crazy to think that the second kill in this movie is a kid and it's definitely odd for Spielberg. But I love that we 
we get this hunting scene, you know, and you get that it is a predator after its prey, and because it's they're surveying the the kicking legs of all these people, and it doesn't speed up until it finds the kid on the raft, and you really get the sense of oh, you know exactly what's happening. It's, I don't know, it's just so good, and it's also impressive because so much of this movie is daytime horror, and it really just like adds to it it just heightens it so much yeah and you just covered slap face too and that is another daytime horror movie and i you know i had a hard time thinking about another daytime horror film and here it is jaws what probably one of the ogs as far as like daytime horror now, now that i think about it insidious has a lot of daytime horror too most of it is that's crazy it, yeah, there's definitely. Oh, yeah, we'll get into it. We, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that one daytime horror scene. I, I know that. Yeah. Like, I definitely want to get into that. Um, but I also love. And and then again, we are conditioned there to learn that the song is signaling the character of the shark. And then later on, we have this two fishermen trying to catch the the shark with the with the chicken on the hook. And again, oh, yeah. it, it's it's very much kind of like, hey, if you didn't get it the first time. Here we go. We have like a little raft signaling where the shark, showing you where the shark is. And it's like going in pace with the music as it's like picking up in tempo and everything. It's, um, it's just, it's just used so greatly. And, and then it kind of does that thing where it like, it's like John Williams is really like just fucking with us mentally and conditioning us because then when we have the 4th of July scene, because the mayor refuses to close the beaches and he, he opens them up and there's just, just a, a, just so many people are out in the ocean swimming and we kind of get the the shark pov but it's not paired with the music and we find out that's because it's the two kids with the with the cardboard fin it wasn't the actual shark so it was yeah. kind of like yeah so it's kind of like this like all right like these are the rules the music is the shark and then shortly mm -hmm. afterwards we get the music as the shark rushes into the pond where chief brody's son is and it's 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 just, it's just kind of genius how John Williams used this to really fuck with us. And it does heighten the, the scares so much because you, that, uh, that speeding up tempo, you know, it, it just makes you so anxious. Yeah, and this is, and this is why the music is so great for this. Um, I, being, I'm a Midwesterner. I'm from Indiana, so I'm not by oceans at all. I don't care about, I'm not worried about sharks in my day-to-day -day life. Like nothing I do for enjoyment has anything to do around sharks, but yet this movie still can make me feel the anxiety of a shark coming up to me, even in the middle of the Midwest. So like the, the music just pairs perfectly. Um, and gets that that anxiety of being being um, stalked, I guess. Yeah, I stalked from a shark um, in that sense. Yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of something that I meant to talk about in the beginning was that like with really effective horror scores, it seems that like, music like this and like ha the Halloween theme and like some other like big ones, the song is all middle. You know, it's just like it's just building and building and building and building, but we don't always get a resolution to it in that as humans we want like a conclusion to it right and that's what like makes us feel so off balance sometimes with these musical scores yeah it's almost like the music gets you like builds it up and gets you there and then the visual just finishes the job it's kind of like a teamwork in that way oh. <laughs> yes it absolutely is um but yeah and and honestly in jaws that's pretty much it i mean like the rest of the music is very good but it is not necessarily used in terms of 
scaring you outside of that jump scare that we get with the floating head coming out of the the hole in the boat. But mm-hmm. again, John Williams, just the genius he is, he oh. doesn't use the the two note theme in it because the shark isn't there. It's just that it's just that kind of like jump scare or orchestral scream <laughs> that you get. And man, John Williams, the dude's still kicking at 90 years old. Like he just turned 90 back in February. Oh my goodness. And it's, I mean, you know, that's getting up there in age and uh, man, we're, uh, I, I hope he lives for much, much longer, but man, I, I don't look forward to losing such an amazing composer. Uh, 71 Grammy nominations, won 25 of them, was now, I don't know if you're huge uh, or if anyone's huge on like the hot 100 billboard hits or whatever, but in 1975, the Jaws main theme hit 32 on the hot 100 billboards. That's it's, actually kind of, that's kind of crazy. That's crazy for a pop music. I mean, it's, not, it's, it's, a, you're talking about a soundtrack being 32 in that year. That's just crazy. And being up and being up there with like David Bowie songs, Glenn Campbell, Freddie Fender, Casey and the Sunshine Band, like you had all these big people, and he was John Williams's music was right there with all those pop stars. There is so I I was focusing on all music and I did this for both movies and not just what was on the soundtrack but there's the scene in the or a scene in the intro where there's a campfire scene and I just love the vibe of this whole thing you have teenagers gather around a campfire sipping on beers chatting it up you know I guess someone <laughs> playing a harmonica yeah 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 and a harmonica you had a acoustic guitar and people were just um like just chilling out and like that stuff is so important as well in the movie and and you have the music and just the vibe of it it wasn't focused very long but it's just it's it's just such a great um addition to the movie and and the um the score would it would that be considered the score if it's not on the soundtrack that's the one thing i'm still trying to figure out for 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 the sake of argument, let's just like consider all music that we could get from from it. So like, or um, like all audio, I'm 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 going to get more into that in with Insidious too. But just like audio in general is what I'm focused on, not just on the soundtracks. Yeah, I I did mention. I just wanted to mention a few of the instruments, but we please. talked about the ba- the bassoons and the uh, stand up bass. But also when I was watching the orchestras. Um, a lot of the key instruments, well, at least in my opinion, I'm not like a huge music nerd in that sense where I like can hear every single, you know, every single instrument as it's being played at the same time. But a lot of the key instruments that I call it were also the French horns, which when you watch it being played, um, it's actually like a bigger key of it. It's a lot of what you hear as it's going that like build your, your anxiety, as I would say. And then as well as the timpanis, which are like, um, some people call them like kettle drums, but it's like the four drums that are in front of you and you just kind of like you know, beat them with a the mallet. But like those are just so intense instruments and they're just what I believe are like the focal point of the orchestra for this soundtrack. Oh, dude, that's so cool. Thank you for, for, for providing that because, again, I just 
I don't have the wherewithal to do that <laughs> to track that down <laughs> or anything. Yeah, you have to you have to watch some of them. It it it's pretty entertaining. Like even if it's not your cup of tea, it's like it's it's different. It's it, as far as music goes because you know most people are like surrounded by pop music, rock music, whatever it is. But like watching an orchestra and and like the appreciation that I have for John Williams, like writing all for every single instrument, every single area, like it just. I cannot wrap my mind around like getting all of that orchestrated and put together. Like I have so much appreciation for him after this research. So let's get into our next movie with a very creepy score, which is Insidious. And again, I'm going to start with the composer. I don't have a <laughs> mindset of what the composer was in, but this movie, Insidious, was the music was composed by Joseph Bishara. And he's done a lot of other things with James Wan, including The Conjuring. And he, this music is, it's, it's used in two different ways, and I'm going to get into that, but Cleveland... Where are you at with Joseph Bashara and just the music from Insidious? Yeah, another guy that has an amazing resume, um, Conjuring and the the Annabelle um, universe all together. And then recently he's done Malignant and uh, The Curse of La Llorona, or La, yeah, La Llorona. Um, and I mean, more great movies with great soundtracks. So, I mean, and he's still going. Was he uh, 51 years old? So he has plenty of time to make even more amazing movie with james wan like a lot of those are james wan movies right yeah they are and so like you said i'm just excited for more really creepy spooky shit to come from him and absolutely insidious is i'm really i don't know who who brought up it was you or me but i'm glad that we landed on this movie because it's it's i think it's like a pretty unique score and especially what i think it's trying to accomplish um I mean, it's heavy on strings, but there's also, like, we get, like, these this creepy, you know, um, string quartet, and we also have kind of, like, these that, in the string quartet is, like, kind of, like, this pulsating thing, and it's kind of building and building, and I think it's more getting towards, like, atmosphere, and there's creepiness that way. I'll get into more in that in a little bit, but then we also have kind of, like, this, like, what I just wrote down as chaotic piano, <laughs> we kind of yeah it sounds like he's just kind of smashing the piano a little bit and those are like it's not necessarily used for atmosphere but it's kind of just like crazy shit's happening and also paired with jump scares and things like that so we're kind of getting all sorts of stuff from him in this yeah and it's a different style than how john williams did it because um joseph Bash- is it bashara bashara i think it's bashara um his when when the music hits it hits hard and loud and then it like um uh crescendos away uh not crescendos but oh man i'm already forgetting the word but it it, it, um just fades out instead of where in jaws where it gradually gets louder and louder and then the shark you know jaws is right in front of you and then the music's going crazy um but for insidious like it's it's quiet and then it's just boom, like real loud with the violins and everything. And that, like that abrupt and um, just, yeah, the abruptness of it is just so effective. It it really is. And it's very unsettling because like I I can't really articulate or describe it, but there's something about the 
the like the the pi- the not the pianos but the violin the string quartet that we get and how it's kind of like raising in pitch the whole time or whatever and it's like it just feels like it's elevating yeah. and it's so i don't know it just like feels it just, you just feel so off balance and again because it's kind of quick too like it it does that thing where like it makes you feel like it's at like a fast pace and it that makes you so anxious because it makes you feel like that there's something around the corner or something upstairs or something like that. Do the whole movie like you don't know it. It's just and this like, movie is unrelenting with that. Into, yeah. Yes. Like the the title card is terrifying just because <gasps> of the music. Like you're just thinking that something's gonna pop up and it's not. The movie hasn't even started yet. I yes. know a lot of people mention that, but it's nuts. Yes. No. Oh, thank you for saying that because that's something I was gonna say is where where the first instance of this score heightening the horror is the opening sequence like the opening credits are terrifying in this movie (laughs) yeah and look i watched insidious in the theaters in 2010 i was uh senior like yeah a senior that year and i i promise you when i watched this i didn't sleep for three days after watching this film in theaters i was so scared it was the the music was so loud in the theater and like anytime there's a jump scare it got everyone every time is nuts like it really was crazy terrifying oh man the first time i watched this my family was gone on vacation so i had the house to myself for a week and i watched this when i had the house to myself for a week big mistake oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> like well think uh, this is more about the film but man like i don't I don't know how many movies are as scary as this, at least from 2010 and on. Like, I've watched all the movies, and, you know, like, Scream, you know, talking about Scream, the new Scream came out. Like, it's a horror movie, but it doesn't feel scary in a way. You you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because it's just kind of, you're, you're watching it for a different reason than just to be scared. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a good movie where the score is good, and it's, it's really effective in like the Casey Beckard scene and like the end of the movie, but there isn't kind of like this. It's different from what we're talking about today because it feels like like the score and scream. It's it's kind of there to kind of just like complement what's happening on screen, where I feel like like with Insidious, it's there to really not necessarily like to yeah complement what's happening on screen, but I feel like it's there to sort of fill in the the landscape a little bit um like with the the string quartet that we get and it's like this it starts out real slow you know it's kind of like, it feels like something swirling or whatever and mm-hmm. um I, th- I think like a really good example that we get in the movie with it is well the the, the opening scene the, the opening credits and because like we get like this violins and it sounds like it's slow and swirling and it's like in enhancing and is being paired with on screen we're going through the house and we see like that creepy woman in the window and that's when like yeah. and then we get like that title card that you just mentioned with like the, and before it, the title card yeah that high pitched violin trills that yes. get me every time it's <laughs> oh, it's so good but before the 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 high pitchness with with the title card to me because it's being paired with these ghost figures that we're getting it's to me it's kind of like it's giving me that sense of other, of otherworldly, and it's to me sort of like filling in what what they call in the movie the further, which is kind of like this limbo world, and this that song or that music with the the string quartet and everything that mm-hmm. feels like that's that music belongs there. It belongs in that limbo world with the ghosts, and I feel like it's yeah. detailing that a little bit. So I fucking love that. 
and it highlights just franticness if that's a word like yes, <laughs> it yes, no, makes it you does. frantic and on edge the whole time oh it does and then so so we get that and then we get some of those other things like with the how, how i call a chaotic piano where it sounds like he's just like punching it mm-hmm. but it's paired with jump scares in this so the example i had written down was the night that Patrick Wilson is in the doghouse and he's sleeping on the couch downstairs and his wife is upstairs and we get like that long haired vampire looking ghost walking, mm-hmm. pacing. And then when he paces into the room, we get that loud, just, I don't even know what it is, that loud sound. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That he makes. I know that's the hard thing to talk about music on a podcast. Without it's hard. Music. I, w- I will be like, putting in clips here and there, okay. but, um, <laughs> But so we get like that, which is different from the violins because it's not really describing other or like another world. It's describing like the chaos that's happening in this house. And then we go back mm-hmm. down to Patrick Wilson, and that's when like we get the, all these like random notes on the piano or whatever. And it's just it's just mm-hmm. detailing chaos and just like what the fuck is happening. Yeah, and, I'm glad you I'm glad you brought that scene up because that whole scene is pure chaos because it's not just the music it's the baby's crying the door alarm's going off the parents are yelling the 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 mom's trying to get all the kids and get them into one room like it's not just the music it's all the audio put together and it's Mm -hmm. like that door alarm just it's so it's so loud it is and it's like the knocking on the door too and everything and it's just like fuck in yeah is the door like are they knocking on the house the door the other side (laughs) it's it's a knock but where's it coming from (laughs) it's so good and that's that's kind of something that i talked about or um, something i was mentioning earlier where i feel like uh these really good effective horror scores they're good because like they're like all middle and they build and build and build and there's no exact resolution and they do that uh bishara does that well with his score and it matches so well what's happening on screen because so many of these scary sequences, like the one that you would just describe, that like hellish night that they have, a lot of them just end with like an exterior shot of the house with the music playing and it just cuts to black. It just fades to black. And it's like there's no real resolution, resolution. of like, oh, well, <laughs> we just went movie. to bed or like we call the cops. Like it's just like that happened yeah. and we just cut to the next day or whatever. And it's, yeah, ah, it's and you so can only good. imagine that they didn't sleep that night at all or they were like taking shifts on the sleep schedule. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. It's 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 used so so well, and I kind of like a little meta thing about this. Did you see this in your research? The other role that Joseph Bashara had in this movie, I did. He's the lipstick face demon. He's Mister Darth Maul himself. That's I I just found that out today. It's crazy. Isn't that insane? It's <laughs> it's it, it, it's so well put though, because I mean like. In a meta sense, it's kind of like he's been orchestrating the fear the whole time. So, like, of course, he's like also the demon in this. Like, it's it's. I just fucking love that. It's so good. I can't. I can't remember now. Uh, in the dining room scene, when um he pops up behind, uh, I forget the main character's name. Patrick Wilson. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Whatever his <laughs> the character name is, but I'm pretty sure it's like almost anticlimactic because they don't play any music for that. There's no like. A quarter note, quarter wow, quarter note, <laughs> quarter note, quarter notes hit like with all the violins and everything. It's it it's just nothing. It's just it goes to him and you see it and I think he like yells or screams or something like and then they just and they panic and then the music starts. 
I wonder I wonder if that's intentional like I I want to know more about just that part of it. It definitely is because as I so like in Jaws, John Williams actually does an, a really good example of that because him and like other orchestras, I'm sorry, other composers are conditioning the audience throughout the movie to pair which like whatever thematic music that they're putting with the scare. So like with Jaws, you know, we we pair that music with like okay, that's where the shark is. So if we don't hear that, we're conditioned that the shark isn't there. And then later in the movie, we get a jump scare with the shark, but there there wasn't any music with it. So that's why it was so effective because we didn't know the shark was there. And like same thing with this. Yeah. I feel like I feel like it was purposeful because they weren't wanting the music to scare you. They were wanting the visual on screen to get you and maybe not cue you for it as well. Yeah, and it was surrounded by her story because his mom's telling, yeah, his mom's just telling the story. So you're just like trying to not get scared while she's telling the story. And then the story's over, like, okay, that wasn't bad. And then boom, it happens. <laughs> oh my it's God. Like pops it pops up behind him. It's so good. And again, you were talking about it earlier, but Insidious, the, the scene that you're talking about right now is a good example of daytime horror because this just took place yep, in broad daylight. Daytime, yep. Yep. We got to talk about Tiptoe Through the Tulips, right? In the movie version, they do the Tiny Tim version where he's doing um, playing the ukulele, and that was in 1968. And I thought that was the original song. I kind of thought that Tiny Tim um, wrote that, but it's actually older than that. It's from uh, 1929, and uh, it was performed um, and made popular by a uh, guy, Nick Lucas, 1929, and then written by Al Dubin, and the music is by Joe Burke. And if you want to listen to a creepy song that's not the tiny tim version but still creepy like listen to that 1929 version because that is just as ter- like any any music from that decade is kind of scary to me in general <laughs> <laughs> but like pairing that with uh this movie as well like it's just it's unbelievable but um them using the tiny tim one uh the tiny tim version is is amazing and um it was really hard for me to listen to that song years later just because it would remind me of the movie <laughs> it does and so that's something i was going to ask are we have we just been conditioned to be scared of that song like if we like if you were to just come across that song without having the context of insidious would that song still be creepy i don't i don't think so and this is why because all right all all this og spongebob um fans out there uh tiny tim one of Tiny Tim's songs is on one of the, I think the first season, one of the first season, yeah, the first season of SpongeBob. I can't remember which song. you know like that song and that's a tiny tim song and in that format it wasn't scary it's yeah it's not scary but like when you listen to it by itself like listen to that whole song i mean anything from tiny tim there's just this eeriness to it and it's not intentional tiny tim just being himself um it's uh i forget what they call that his type of music um but it's just supposed to be lighthearted and fun like not really supposed to be taken serious but they 
um, whoever picked that song for this movie, like they knew the, they knew the assignment as, as the kids would say, they knew the assignment. Yeah, it, exactly. And it's very creepy, but I loved how it was used in this. It's like the first time that we get it, it's when they moved out of the house and they are now staying at Patrick Wilson's mother's house. And yeah. we get that whole sequence with the ghost child running around and yeah, turning on the song. Daytime horror. Yes, yes, daytime horror. And but like the horror comes after it when the song stops and we can like hear the creaks in the house because when I feel like it's used how this song is used effectively. One, it's creepy. I mean, it, it's just creepy paired with you know this haunted movie. So you're kind of just like on edge with that. And the song is played kind of loud, so I feel like it's kind of mm-hmm. used to sort of. It's like a palate cleanser. Like it bleaches your ears a little bit. And then when the song stops, you are just picking up every little like like creak in that house when the yeah, doors. the footsteps, everything. Yes. So I feel like that was, it was like the, it was kind of like that one-two punch of like, we're just going to clear you out. And now you're going to hear every spooky thing that, that we actually want you to hear after this song. Like the song wasn't the scare. This is now the scare. And it's, 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 it's such a good bait and switch. Yeah, and now that we're talking about it more, I think that's kind of the secret for Insidious. Like, it is really loud. We've already been talking about, like, how loud it is. We don't say that with Jaws, or, and I don't think mm. that way with other movies, but that the, just like the mix and mastering is way louder than any movie that I experienced recently anyways. The the Tiny Tim song, I love how it comes back later on when we're kind of like at the climax of the movie, when they're in that lipstick demon's lair. And the song plays again when he's like pressed up against the window, and it's just like fuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anytime that song comes on in that movie, it's yeah, anxiety level high, very high. <laughs> <laughs> uh, rewinding a little bit to the yeah. uh, more to the beginning of the movie. Uh, what did you think of uh, Renee's song that she was writing on the piano? <laughs> You think she's got a hit song there? <laughs> I don't know. I can't remember the lyrics, but I found that funny that her, like, it was kind of like this paired thing of like, I just kept picturing the composer dressed as the devil man playing like the piano all fucking chaotic and loudly to mask whatever it was that she was trying to do on the piano. Be like, right. Shut up! <laughs> right. And they try to focus in on this song, and then I'm like, is this, like, in my opinion, it's not it's not going very well for her. And I think that's what they were trying to go for. Like, it's just, but then again, like, I didn't know if they were just trying to put generic lyrics and, like, notes in there just to make it show that she's uh, a musician of some sort. Do they do they talk about that more uh, in the sequels, like her and her journey of being a uh, a pianist and uh, vocalist? Um, I don't remember. I've only seen part two, which I really enjoyed, I remember, but I haven't seen it in years, so I really can't yeah. speak on it. Um, and then the other thing is, too, um, when they were doing their little seance, I, I is it a seance? Yeah. I don't know. I, it's not an exorcism. Yeah, a seance. Um, and this is just more audio stuff. Um, yeah, noting just on audio in general, not just on scores, but like you get the heart monitor and it's just beeping normal beats per minute or however many. And then like as it starts getting more intense, the heart monitor gets faster and faster during the scene. Oh, I've never noticed that. Yeah. And they they did that with something else in the movie. I can't remember. But yeah, that's another example of just great audio in general or 
for the score just mm-hmm. to like build that intensity yeah and that's something that james wan talked to, I, I have this movie on blu-ray and i was kind of watching the bonus features on it and that's something that he talked about that said he wanted to set some sort of like pacing in both houses so i didn't know about the heart monitor thing that's super cool in the first house that they live in the grandfather clock the ticking of that he kind of said he used that to like kind of like set like the yeah that's the, the other one yep yeah yeah that was so good and for the ASMR lovers, um, there's the part where Elise was describing the demon in the corner of the ceiling of the room, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, but if, like, I don't think there's a lot of music there, but, like, between her whispers, like, whispering to the dude, or, you know, all quietly, because mm-hmm. to not startle and, like, scare him away, and, like, him scribbling, and they make the audio for the scribbling on that notepad so much louder, and just, like, those two aspects alone like going oh, after yeah yeah and just writing faster and faster and he's like ripping the page and you you get to hear that rip and the more scribbles and rip scribble rip and she's you know like keeps keeps whispering like that is just another um like what would what would you could just it's the audio but like what would you call that well i mean it's, it's, it's the foley you know that they're doing right there but it is it's the foley art of that but it is paired with that creepy string um, quartet that they do. That they, it is paired because yeah. it is building there. And again, I think that they use it for when they're talking about like the other worlds, like creatures from that. And I, I don't necessarily think it's specific to the demon thing because they use like that ice breaking sound for him. You know what I'm talking about? What like what it's all right, all right. What it sound like? I want to hear you do it. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking can't. It's, it sounds like ice cracking, you know. When oh, oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So they use like the ice cracking sound for the demon, but like I feel like that that the that music, as I've said, is just like really detailing the further and just otherworldliness that he is a part of. And then once we get in that title sequence you talked about, where it really explodes with the high pitchness and everything because we get like the red flames uh, flickering the, the the title and everything it looks like hell um and it's kind of like this is like where the further can take you it's here and it's it's just so good it just remind me of when he is in the uh on the other side or the uh what they call it the um, further yeah the fur yeah the further um and the family sorry the family's in the living room in the um the guys reading the newspaper and then they all look and like do that little like quick smile click or mm. clip and and whatever that noise is too like when it happens at the same time it's once again just effective yeah i'm glad we chose these two movies because they're 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 both great but different they went at it in a completely different way from at least my experience in watching movies um and and paying attention to the score of them all i'm glad that we did talk about these two because they are so they're both very scary and very effective but used so differently and i i'm glad that we got to talk about these two today and and for both movies there are um Definitely, we're talking about orchestra, so there's going to be violins, and they both they both use them um, effectively. And for and for Insidious, when it gets kind of dramatic, because you know they're 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 you know they have to um, 
take care of their son and everything. And so there's more dramatic parts. And so for the violins, they use more of like a, what I can only describe as like soap opera, you know, like mm. it, it's more like soap opera um, for those serious parts. And so it's, it's kind of a nice blend where they're um, showing you how, you know, how violins are used in that way and then how to use it in a horror type way. Well, I guess we'll go ahead and kind of wrap things up. Uh, Cleveland, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it and enjoyed having you on here. You added so much to the conversation with, with everything. Um, thanks thanks for coming on. That's awesome. This Yeah, this is honestly a lot of fun. I hope to be able to do this again, just talk about music and movies. Uh, I don't listen to any podcasts that do that. Um, I'd love to listen. I'd, I'd even love to listen to other people talk about the soundtracks and and scores and uh and, i mean really any movies but especially horror movies this is a lot of fun and uh yeah i definitely hope to do this again oh yeah we've got to i mean i gotta have you back to cover the, the halloween theme song whenever we get to that we gotta do that at some point yeah i mean the whole car- carpenter world i mean <laughs> <laughs> like we could just focus on that for for months and months <laughs> <laughs> for sure uh cleveland where can the kind people find you um, you can find me at vibes underscore Cleveland on Instagram. Um, I'm just always sharing random videos uh, that inspire my writing for the night for the night shift. So I'll post like random commercials that I find on oh, random old commercials that I find on YouTube, um, things like that, just random horror stuff. And then uh, I definitely want to shout out James from Night Shift and then Caleb from Horror Soup. Those are just the homies. And then uh, you can oh definitely follow me on um, Letterbox. And it's less about like you following me i want to follow you because i want to find I, I i like finding like those deep cut horror movies and i that's the way that i always find them is just like adding random people on letterbox just to see what everyone's watching and i'm like oh man like i've never seen or even heard of that movie so definitely like hit me up on the letterbox because i want to more so i can follow you so i can watch find more movies and open my library so any podcasters that are listening, uh, definitely um, hit me up. You don't have to follow me or anything, but just hit me up um, on vibes underscore Cleveland because uh, I am looking for podcasters to do this huge movie draft, and it's going to be a, a whole thing. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. So be sure to follow Cleveland. You know, keep up with him. Or, you know, however you want to do it. Follow him on Letterbox, whatever. And <laughs> and I will see you guys next time. Be sure to watch some good movies. Bye. See you.